Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourself, our family, and others. I would like to know what's coming. So who should I listen to? The politicians speak the loudest, but it seems they have confidence, but their record is not so good. Um, Historians, they study the past, uh, but not the future. Some say we should listen to them, and others say we shouldn't. How about Bible scholars? They say the Bible's always right. But we don't quite know when things are going to happen from them. And you can think about Nostradamus and other fortune tellers, but really it's pretty hard to decode what they have to say. And besides, if you look at what they have said in the past, they have, especially fortune tellers, they have a 50-50 chance of being correct. And that's the same as flipping a coin. Okay, so who else? I know, how about prophetic Christians? Uh, They tend to warn you instead of being a predictor, but um, there is still a chance, and and there have been ones who've predicted accurately in the past, and they have said some very interesting things about the United States and what we could expect. Uh, first, I will say in general, they say that uh, there is a spiritual darkness to come over the land, followed by the spread of, well, let's call them difficulties or calamities in a physical sense, but nobody is given dates. And about these people, they they don't... Well, anyway, if you want to know names, uh, that's a different matter. Today, let's just talk about uh, one who has a good reputation, and that's David Wilkerson. He is uh, basically from New York City, and he has become widely acknowledged to be a prophet of God. And when he did speak prophetically in his 1973 vision, there were things that would happen, and we can listen to them and be cautious. The first thing he said was that there would be a worldwide recession, and the second thing would be earthquakes, famine, and a cosmic fire in the sky, and third, that there would be an abundance of filth like pornography, and fourth, there would be rebellion in the home, and fifth, there would be Christian persecution. Now, what about all these things happen, happening? Well, we still don't know when, but there's, there's uh, all these things that a prophet of God says will happen. Um, all this does also include a, a super world church with uh, widespread homosexuality and occult practices. So, in general, there will be Christian persecution and calamities. Now, after giving his warning about all these things happening, he says, but don't worry because God has everything under control. Yeah, that's right. God has not given us to have a spirit of fear, but rather a sound mind. So, that was his abbreviated description of his 1973 vision. So, like I said, recession, earthquakes, famine, and cosmic fire in the sky. We don't exactly know what that is, but there will be a bunch of things happening. So, I say, like I always do, start your preparations now before there is an urgent need and what you want is hard to find. This is episode 38, and remember to give thanks to God for the blessings that you do have. Your letters with questions or donations are important. 
John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. I save your God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Saddle up your Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome to Red Sky Radio and the Red Sky Radio Ranch, where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Got such a packed program, we're going to get rolling. But first of all, because I always forget this, if you would like to contact me with a uh, whatever, uh, a thought, comment, criticism, uh, constructive or otherwise, because I do read them all, you can reach me info at redskyradio.net, info at redskyradio.net. And you can hear the last three programs on redskyradio.net, right on the homepage if you would like. I'm going to have some great news coming up that we're going to announce next week. Uh, it's a big deal and um, about a certain expansion of Red Sky Radio, which is pretty exciting. I'm very excited about it. Uh, the reach of the program is going to uh, drastically expand, and we're thrilled about the opportunity God is giving us. Anyway, we start with good news and with good news in between – well, you know what? I have said for 15 years it's an e-ticket ride. More and more people, uh, as we get old, uh, well, as time marches on, do not know what an e-ticket ride is. So I got to quit calling that the 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 uh, core of the program an e-ticket ride, which was the scariest or the fastest ride at Disneyland in Southern California. But the whole e-ticket business went out of business. They quit doing that, I don't know, sometime in the 60s maybe, or I don't know, maybe the uh, as late as 1980. But anyway, it was a long time ago. So I'm going to dispense with that uh, that expression. i got to find something else. In between, it's a wild ride. Just let me say that. We'll call it that. But this is a the piece of good news I want to launch with today. deals with Chick-fil-A. And you know all the hassle that Chick-fil-A took because they actually stood up for biblical-based marriage. They didn't succumb to the queer agenda. And, of course, they were, uh, you know, people in Santa Barbara wanted to run them out of town. and they, I mean, it's just all this nonsense. All the, all the, uh, all the attack that came from people who claim that they're inclusive and tolerant, displaying gross intolerance, uh, gross non-inclusivity, if I could express it that way, from the people who all they do is preach it. But that's what the left does, is whatever they're guilty of, you accuse somebody else of it. Well, anyway, why? what's the good news about Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A has now exceeded, or displaced might be a better word, Starbucks as the favorite chain for teens. Isn't this amazing? For teens. I'm not talking about my generation or a generation below me. I'm talking two generations down. For teens, they have beaten out Starbucks, which is taking on swamp water. I've never. It's easy for me to knock Starbucks. They're an ungodly company. 
led by an ungodly CEO. They hate Christians, and they've been very open, frankly, about their disdain for biblical values. They consider queer everything to be a core value at Starbucks, and that's tanking. Chick-fil-A is exceeding, and it's exceeding well because they stick to we're going to, to to a basic philosophy of we want to uh, serve our customers with the best food at a reasonable price. They don't get into spiritual things, but it's a spiritual thing to do what? To do your work as unto the Lord, meaning whatever you do in life, you should do it as though God has employed you. And then ask yourself, okay, if God's my employer, how would I work? How would I, would I, would I, Lock, would I clock eight hours when I've only worked seven and a half? Would I steal stuff from my employer? Would I mistreat customers? No, you wouldn't do that stuff. Not if you're working for God. You do your work as under the Lord. That's Chick-fil-A's approach. And they've been rewarded and are rewarding and are being rewarded handsomely for putting God first as a business model, folks. That's that's the main point of that. Okay, that's it for the good news. Now to the rest of to the rest of uh, of life that happened this last week. I I have gotten tired of knocking Obama. I really have, even though I could go on forever knocking the guy because he's worth knocking. However, and I've laid off from him for about a month, but I've got to share this brief thing because he was out in Nevada. I was in Nevada this last week, had an opportunity to um, uh, minister and speak at a church in Las Vegas. I was blessed. I hope they were. Um and Obama was there, too. Uh, he was there ostensibly to pump up ne- uh, Nevada Democratic candidates, but uh, uh, particularly J- a Jackie Rosen, but who's a Senate candidate. But the fact of the matter is he wasn't really there for Jackie Rosen, as his speech reflected. Now, is Donald Trump a narcissist? Absolutely. We all know that. Um, and and it's pretty obvious but people get upset at me when I talk about and have talked about Obama's narcissism. And it's it's just a, it takes on a different form. He's maybe less um, bold in the way he does it, but he's nonetheless, uh, he actually goes toe-to-toe with Trump. And I say this today only to make a point that I've made many times before, but that people have often disagreed with me on. And that is, in his speech, on behalf, allegedly, on behalf of this Jackie Rosen, it was had nothing to do with Jackie Rosen. It was all about himself. He was out there campaigning for himself because the guy is really ticked off. His, his presidency was a complete bust. All he did was do things to further destroy and accelerate the demise of the United States. The only thing that he's now can really... He doesn't take credit for Obama. It, Obamacare stinks. We all know that. It's a it's a lousy program. And what does he take credit for? Now he takes credit for the economy. Of course, the economy is largely a feature of reduction, if not the elimination of burdensome regulations, which Trump has championed, and he has fulfilled his promises along with tax cuts. Obama had nothing to do with this recovery. Absolutely jack squat diddly zilch. However... When I talk about the narcissism, a 38-minute speech, that's how long his speech was. Well, if you're speaking in support of somebody, you don't go 38 minutes. No, he needed 38 minutes to talk about himself, and he did that. The references to himself 92 times that he talked about himself. He came up in his own conversation every 24.7 seconds over a 38-minute period. I rest my case, and I don't need to revisit that topic ever again. Now, I want to do something very different um, for me on this program. It's going to be a bit of a historical analysis um, from this perspective. I've talked a lot, as a lot of commentators are talking about the unhinged radical left the, the, the left that is not very smart and also extremely evil. It's what I call the moronic demonic. It's a combination. 
Never thought you could be dumb and wicked at the same time, but I have discovered that they are not mutually exclusive descriptors of what we are dealing with on the side of the left. So what I wanted to do today was to frame a bit of a contrast between the old Democrat and today's Democrat. They are not the same party. Yes, I understand the Democrat Party was the party of slavery, the party of Jim Crow laws, and you go back that far, it's, it was deeply rooted in racism. And it still is, because the D- Democrat Party couldn't care less about blacks except to the extent of what do we have to do to get, ensure their vote. The Democrat Party is all about how many people can we get on and keep on our own plantation. That part has never changed. But there was a period of time when the Democrat Party, in the mid-20th century, the difference between a Democrat and a Republican was largely around issues of labor, around business and taxes. It wasn't, let's, uh, let's have the right to kill innocent, unborn human beings in the womb. Let's not fist each other and call it the sodomistic debauchery, uh, a consummation of marriage. And I could go down, uh, on and on down the line. So I wanted to give you a couple of quotes from what I will call an old Democrat. And we're going to compare this to today's Democrat. Because the today's left speaks from the abyss. They speak from a perspective of evil and almost an antichrist attitude. That's how much they hate God, the Bible, everything they're Elohimophobic, they're El Shaddaiophobic, they're Christophobic, and they're bibliophobic. So I want to go back to a speech given on December 29, 1940, by Democrat President Franklin Roosevelt, dealing with appeasement of Nazis. Now, when you have somebody who's doing evil, such as the Muslim Brotherhood, such as ISIS, Boko Haram, uh, you got these beheadings uh, of, of Christians in many parts of the world, We've got Iran, which is just uh, un- unchained madness, which Trump is actually doing a fantastic job of reining them in. When faced with the threat of Nazis during World War II, this is what Franklin Roosevelt said. And I want to thank Bill Federer, who I had a chance to meet a couple of weeks ago in San Diego, a great, great historian. And I'm going to quote from something that I got from him uh, somewhat liberally here because he makes the point so well. But I'm going to mostly use him for the his quotes of two Democrats. Here's Roosevelt, December 29, 1940. Quote, No nation can appease the Nazis. No man can tame a tiger into a kitten by stroking it. There can be no appeasement with ruthlessness. There can be no reasoning with an incendiary bomb. We know now that a nation can have peace with the Nazis only at the price of total surrender. The American appeasers ignore the warning to be found in the fate of Austria, Czechoslovakia, Poland, Norway, Belgium, the Netherlands, Denmark, and France. They call it a negotiated peace. Nonsense. It is a negotiated, is it a negotiated peace if a gang of outlaws surrounds your community and on threat of extermination makes you pay tribute to save your own skins? Such a dictated peace would be no peace at all, end quote. Now, I want to just for a moment compare this with Hillary Clinton's comment about why should there be any civility owed to those who are uncivil, i.e. Republicans. These are the people who do all the demonizing but call others demons. These are the people who are completely at fault, full of evil, and, and fault others, accusing them of evil. You see, that's that's the that's the Hillary, and this is this is a Democrat saying there can be no appeasement with ruthlessness. We don't hear any Democrats saying that today because the Democrats are the ones who are ruthless. He continues on dealing with what I would call insiders or secret emissaries. People who are inside of our country to do damage. 
Roosevelt continues, The secret emissaries are active in our own and in neighboring countries. They seek to stir up dissension to cause internal strife. I want to insert here for a second. Does that sound familiar? They try to turn capital against labor and vice versa. Listen to this. This is Roosevelt in 1940. They try to reawaken long slumbering racial and religious enmities, which should have no place in this country. These trouble breeders have but one purpose. It is to divide our people into hostile groups and to destroy our unity and shatter our will to defend ourselves. There are also American citizens, many of them in high places, who unwittingly, in most cases, are aiding and abetting the work of these agents. I do not charge these American citizens with being foreign agents, but I do charge them with doing exactly the kind of work that dictators want done in the United States. End quote. This could be, this could be read today. This is the modern-day Democrat doing that which the old Democrat, Roosevelt here, specifically targets as being malicious and malevolent and evil and having no place, reawakening long-slumbering racial and religious enmities, trouble breeders who have one purpose, to divide our people into hostile groups and to destroy our unity and shatter our will to defend ourselves. This, if, if, if Roosevelt were alive today, he would be giving this and telling this about his own Democrats. These are the ones that are doing the very thing that Roosevelt um, blasted. He went on to say, no, I wait a second. I'm, no, this is somebody else. We're going to move on to another Democrat, Harry Truman, May, 6, May 16th. No, wait a second. I've got my quotes mixed up. I'm back to FDR, May 16th, 1940. We have seen the treacherous use of the fifth column by which persons supposed to be peaceful visitors are actually part of an enemy unit of occupation. We must be strong in heart and mind, strong in our faith. i got to just stop here a second. Imagine a democrat saying these words today. Quote, we must be strong in heart and mind, strong in our faith. I, too, pray for peace, but I'm determined to face the fact realistically, that this nation requires a toughness of moral and physical fiber. These are the characteristics of a free people, a people willing to defend a way of life that is precious to them all, a people who put their faith in God. End quote. Franklin Roosevelt, May 16, 1940. Can you imagine a Democrat today saying this? Democrats wouldn't talk this way. They consider everybody else to be the demon. This is what their mantra is, is an old Karl Marx reference. Accuse the victim of what you do. So Federer goes on to say, this is today's left. This is their MO, which would cause Roosevelt to roll over in his grave. If you're lying, accuse your opponent of it. If you're racist, accuse your opponent of it. If you are intolerant, accuse your opponent of it. If you're hateful, put up a website listing groups you hate, accusing them of being hateful. If you have something to hide, accuse your opponent of, of it. If you are organizing voter fraud, discredit those opposing it, exposing it. If you or your spouse have been sexually immoral, accuse your opponent of it. If you're receiving millions from globalist and Hollywood elites, accuse your opponent of it. Well, David Axelrod, we remember David Axelrod? He said, quote, in Chicago, there was an old tradition of throwing a brick through your own campaign office window and then calling a press conference to say that you've been attacked, end quote. This is what they do. We have seen this from homosexuals. We've seen this from a few blacks. I've got a file of phony, bogus, self-inflicted hate crimes by people who are faking it. They're on the left. These just happen, these happen to be blacks that are on the left. They're uh, homosexuals. I'm not saying that all homosexuals are on the left. Most of them are. Most blacks are on, the, uh, are on a milder left, and they should be on the right. 
They should be, like Ronald Reagan said, Hispanics. He said they're, uh, they're conservatives. They just don't know it yet. They need to discover it. And more blacks are discovering why the left has never represented them and why they are ill for the advancement of their own individual uh, welfare and that of their family and co- community. And last but not least, I do want to share this one piece from Harry Truman. Why? Because he's another old Democrat. Quote, the United States has a fighting strength greater than at any time in our history, greater than that of any other nation in the world. We are strong because of the courage of a liberty-loving people who are determined that this nation shall remain forever free. I want to just stop here. Contrast this to the modern-day Democrat who, who's for open borders and who's for weakening our position and for going along with everything that's globalist. All right, back to Harry Truman. We intend to use all our moral influence. And i got to stop again here. This is not Obama sending a, a band of homosexuals over to Russia for the Olympics to try to, to, to try to accelerate the queerdom of the Russian culture, which I applaud Putin for sticking it to Obama on that particular thing. That's not, that's not the... See, we, Truman was talking about moral influence. Obama and Clinton talk about the attempt and the need to actually wield immoral influence. It's a big difference. Back to the quote. We intend to use all our moral influence and all our physical strength to work for that kind of peace. We can ensure such a peace only so long as we may remain strong. We must face the fact that peace must be built upon power as well as upon goodwill and good deeds. It is only by strength that we can impress the fact upon possible future aggressors that we will not tolerate any threat to peace or liberty. End quote. Can you imagine this coming out of any Democrat today? I want to tell you, Truman, uh, FDR, JFK, they would all be Republicans today if they were alive. They absolutely would be. I mean, this... Uh, they would be repulsed by both the immorality and the violence of the new Democrat, the new Democrat Party, which is why I call them Democrats. Now, I want to contrast that with a few stories here with today's Democrat Party, and these are varied pieces. They bear no connection other than that the left is behind all of these. And they come from different areas, but this is how much the left hates America, hates our roots, hates our flag, hates Christianity, hates anything from the Bible, hates conservatives, hates anybody who will actually uh, has a right to and uses the opportunity to say anything that might convict them of their sins. Not that the right is all righteous, but the right is part of righteous. There's a good start there anyway. Yes, we fail. But just like David failed, but that doesn't mean we don't have a heart to do right, even though we mess up and we sin. But we don't seek sin as a way of dealing with sin. We don't go out to try to impose our our failed philosophies on young children, impressionable children, so that we feel about feel better about our failures. Now the difference between the two is one confesses them, the other pushes them on another unsuspecting generation so they can feel better about what they have failed at. All right, first piece. Gosnell, haven't seen this yet. I want to see it. You know, well, maybe you don't know because the left-wing media covered up this butcher. He's an absolute butcher. The guy who just was killing children after they were born. He was a lousy doctor. He's a typical leftist. He was an abortionist uh, at, at a high level, meaning just simply the number of executions he oversaw, but it included killing children after they've been born. So the documentary, Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer. The producer, Felim McAleer, I believe, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that name, but he's receiving report, reports all across the country from movie theaters that are obstructing people who want to see the film about this notorious executionist, also known as an abortion doctor. Quote, 
People are saying that they're going to the box office and being told that the film isn't being shown when it actually is being shown. We are told that people also are not able to buy tickets online. We are told that when people phone theaters, they are being told not to go and that this film is propaganda. This is the left, folks. Um, MacLear's wife, in a radio interview, said that people have told her they've gone to the theaters and have been told by the people selling tickets that you don't want to go and see that. Why don't you go and see Venom instead? In other words, don't see a movie that's based on fact that would expose the rotten undercore of the abortionist executioners, the people who are from the pit of hell killing children. I don't know how to describe it. Where else would you come from if your whole life is focused upon the execution of innocent, unborn human life? You are the scum of all scum. The highest place of hell is as high as you'll get in a spiritual world, unless you repent, like Bernard Nathanson did. God bless him. He saw his evil and he repented. Well, anyway... The film is changing lives. That's the good thing. There was one film here where a, pri- a priest stood up and said, would anyone like to pray? And everybody stayed and everyone prayed. Now, see, this is what the left can't stand because this is the conviction of their sin. Look, the, the women who've had abortions, the way you deal with abortion is not to to uh, to suffuse and oppress people or trying to bring out the truth. That's not the way you deal with the execution or the murder of your unborn child. The way to con- do it is deal with it is confess it. Become a Christian, confess it, give your life to Jesus, and you'll have a chance to see that child in heaven someday. Yeah, think about that. But you're not going to see him carrying it on this way. Other places, people huddled, huddled in groups in the foyer of movie theaters. They prayed. They're becoming influenced by the movie, which is why the left hates this movie. McAleer's wife said, I can tell you that the warfare from the establishment is phenomenal. We've had two reviews in major media outlets, typically a movie of this stature with a success, and it is successful. That's a problem. It gets between 70 to 280 publication reviews. There have only been two for this. He said the, that these people are Irish that produced this movie. God bless them because because Ireland stood fast in a pro-life environment and they they flipped, and these uh, Irish filmmakers took taken their own country to task. Quote: The establishment hates that the truth is getting out there, and a review by Forbes said the movie was made for quote avid right-wing media consumers, the L.A. slimes said it never loses sight of the choir to which it is plainly preaching. Well, Jack Cashill, the uh, columnist, said here, the major media are refusing to review the movie for much the same reason they refused to report on Gosnell's trial. Because any honest look at abortion completely unnerves them. And it does. That is case study number one at the movie level, the information level. This is not fiction. It's truth. If it were fiction, they might not be so bothered by it. But the left is bothered by the truth. They can't handle the truth. They're suspicious of the truth, all because they have very little experience with the truth. When we come back, a few more examples of the new left and ultimately how will Jesus vote in the upcoming election. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, 
P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. We are back. Rob Walter here. I'm giving you a glimpse from various perspectives of today's left. The first one, how they completely suppress free speech when free speech consists of the truth so that they have the access and uh, exclusive use of the media to sell lies and deception. Truth has no place in their agenda because the truth will expose them. Now, I said it's going to come from various angles, and this one is just unbelievably ridiculous, but this is your new left. The cow's milk, drinking cow's milk, is a symbol of white supremacy. That's right. This is a claim coming from People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, also known as PETA, which is 100% Democrat. And all I would say to these animal rights activists is, please, folks, Remember to spay and neuter your Democrat. Okay? Will you just please remember to spay and neuter your Democrat? All right, continuing. This is what they're claiming. They're, they're claiming that, that the cow's milk is the perfect drink for white supremacists. Now, keep in mind, white supremacy is not a claim being made by a group of blacks here. PETA is basically lily white. But this is a kind of ridiculous stuff that emerges from the new left. I mean, this is just so stupid. I mean, not only immoral, grossly immoral, but gosh, where are the brains, folks? I mean, if, if let me just ask you a couple of questions. If drinking white milk is an act of white supremacy, this, I, can't, I, can't, I can't even believe we're having this discussion. Then apparently, if I drink fruit punch, which is red, then apparently means I'm a communist, right? I mean, that's nonsense, but nonsense yields only to more nonsense. Or if I drink chocolate milk, does that a sign of, and I believe in black supremacy? And how about blacks who drink white milk? Well, you know what those guys are. Your Uncle Tom's, if you're black and you're drinking white milk. By the logic or illogic of PETA and that left-wing group. Here's another story coming from a different, totally different angle. Los Angeles passed an ordinance. The city, this and it's unanimous, folks. There's not one person with a brain on the L.A. City Council. 10-0 requiring that city contractors, anybody who has a contract with the city of Los Angeles, must disclose any ties they have with the National Rifle Association. Can you believe this? I can believe this. Now, this is partly California stuck on stupidity problem. The stupidity on steroids is widely distributed and free out there. But... So let's pass an ordinance that says that any city contractor, because we think we should, that has any ties to the child-killing organization called Planned Non-Parenthood must be disclosed. And anybody that's giving money to LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ organizations must be disclosed because we want to know who is funding killing, or in the case of LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ, who is funding sodomy and those things which God calls an abomination to push them on our kids and make them twice a child of hell that they are. But it goes beyond that. Do you remember from a t- history book? I wasn't alive then, but from the history books, because we've all read about it, McCarthyism, the Senate hearings, which were focused on fair identifying and ferreting out the communists that were in Hollywood, which is in L.A., 
people, this is left-wing McCarthyism. Left-wing McCarthyism. And it's occurring in the same place as the old McCarthyism because it was dealt with alleged communists, of which there were some, in Hollywood. So they're going to... Well, you, I, you've heard enough of that. That's all there needs to be said. I got a, the next one. This comes from a listener in um, Las Vegas that said that they finally had to move because they could not quit being under siege by Democrats in the neighborhood who were looking up how people were voting and descending upon them to change over to Democrats. And apparently people who don't, their homes are being vandalized. This party, I heard about another party in, in Ohio, who, Ohio who had to register as a Democrat because if you register as a Republican, the Democrats look you up and they harass you. This is your new left. This is the left that Kennedy, Truman, and Roosevelt, my gosh, they would puke over hearing this being the representation of their party. Remember, only you, and this is a plug for the upcoming election, the importance of voting, only you can prevent Democrats from turning your state into California. Only you. I, I speak this to our listeners in Nevada and Arizona and everywhere else where they get this um, uh, this program through uh, personal email distribution, which are many people. Only you can prevent Democrats from turning your state into California. Well, I was asked this weekend, what will happen if the Democrats win? Um, and then asked, what will happen if the Republicans win? My answer to this party is the same thing. If the Democrats win, hell will break loose because they will see the election as a vindication of their own Gestapo fascist tactics that the alleged anti-fascist employer. See, this is a whole thing about what Federer said. You know, if you're a fascist, then accuse other people of being the fascist. Anti-fascists aren't fast. They're the fascists. They're the, they're the brown shirts that go around tearing up property and destroying and intimidating people and vandalizing things and threats and shooting people and beating them up. That's what the brown shirts did. Those were the fascists. That's your new left. So scenario number one, Democrats win, all hell breaks loose because they will use the election as a vindication of their own tactics. If the Republicans win... All hell breaks loose also because they will see that and they have already said this. They've said that if we lose, that will be because we did not do enough of what we've been doing and we need to ramp it up. It'll be the same thing because the left will view it as a need to up the ante in the violence department, up the intimidation, up the threats which are coming from whether it's Maxine Waters about getting in your face, Cory Booker, uh, Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi. Um, it just sort of doesn't matter. That is your new left, folks. You see, I go back 40 years ago. I, I was a Democrat, sort of. I ran as a Democrat for the Michigan House of Representatives in the 70s. I became a Christian. I'm not saying being a Republican and a Christian is one and the same. But I changed parties for a reason which you'll find out here in a few minutes. I'm not suggesting that the Republicans have a lock on righteousness. Far be it from that being the truth. The fact of the matter is more and more of them are going the way of the left. They are being pulled left as the left moves farther left. The vacuum that the left is leaving just left of middle is causing the Republicans to move left of an, of an old middle. People say, well, the clock, uh, you know, the pendulum is swinging back. Does, doesn't the pendulum swing back? I said, yes, it does. But your, but your analogy, your metaphor here only works 
if the clock itself is staying in the same position. And it isn't. If the pendulum comes back to the right, it matters little if someone is pushing the entire clock to the left. Then the pendulum doesn't come back really to where it was before. It's just a new middle. The new middle being far left of the old middle. And that's the way a country goes when it departs from the Word of God. So the question arose, how would Jesus vote? Now, I was asked this the other day, um, and I answered, uh, and it gave me pause to think about a more complete answer, which you will get here on this program. But I I, I still wasn't going to do it until I was asked, uh, until a party just told me yesterday. He said, you know, people ask me, he said, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And the party said, look, I'm just a Christian. I just want to do what Jesus said to do. Why do I have to be a Republican or a Democrat? And I told the party, I said, they're not asking you if you're a Republican or a Democrat when they're asking you, are you a Republican or a Democrat? No, (laughs) it's not that simple. They're asking you, how are you going to vote? That's the question. You see, if there there was no voting, whether you were a Republican or a Democrat would be entirely and utterly meaningless, would it not? But the fact of the matter is, because we do vote, and we vote our values, and different values are reflected in the two camps, now it becomes a question of how do you think, meaning how are you going to vote? So how would Jesus vote? Do you know what? This is really a simple answer, even though the left-wing theologians, mainly a good portion of your Methodists, uh, uh, pretty much all of your Episcopalian, maybe not all, good portion of them, good portion of your Presbyterians, United, what was it, uh, Congregational Church, they've all gone left. They, most of them wouldn't recognize a Bible in a Christian bookstore, and I mean it. And I look, I don't. I got another letter this week about me being too critical. I'm sorry if this offends you that I call a spade a spade here. But you know what? I'm not going to let the Christian community and the rest of the world just be uh, deceived into thinking that everybody is on the same playing field and everybody is equal. I'm tired of hearing, well, you're judging people. Well, did not Jesus say you shall know them by their fruit? And what do you use fruit for to make a judgment, whether how you're going to vote who you're going to marry? Maybe who do you go into business with? Who are we use the fruit of people to make all sorts of value? Yes, judgment-based. Yes, decisions. We're not condemning them as such, but we're making a decision that said, "Look, I don't want what you want. I don't support what you support. I'm not going the direction that you're going, and I'm going to oppose you, and I'm going to expose you." Now, here's a little biblical lesson for my Christian brothers and sisters who think I'm a little harsh. John the Baptist, what did he get beheaded for? Well, people say, well, because he he called, uh, he said it was wrong for the king to to be sleeping with his brother Philip's wife, Herodias. And that's true. Herod had no business shacking up with his his former sister-in-law. None whatsoever. But when you look, I think it's in the book of Luke, it says that he was executed for that and for all the other evil Herod did that John spoke publicly about. In other words, John called out Herod for everything evil. Judgmental? I don't think so. You know, that's, that Herod was a tree displaying grossly immoral fruit. All John the Baptist did was point it out for its gross immorality. Don't eat that fruit. I mean, goodness sakes, if the fruit from a tree was rotten and you couldn't tell by the sense of smell, because I have hardly any sense of smell, you could only taste it. Would you not rush in to tell somebody that the figs are poisonous? It's bad fruit. Oh, you're being judgmental. You're judging those figs. 
No, I'm trying to save people from the consequences of eating bad fruit. And you have to call out what needs to be called out. So how would Jesus vote? Let me let you understand this. Anything Jesus said is attributable to the Holy Spirit and God. Anything God said is attributable to the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Anything the Holy Spirit spoke through the apostles is attributable to God and Jesus. That's the three in one. You can't, they don't contradict each other. So it's not a safe thing to say, well, what did Jesus specifically say or not say? Because he only had so much time and so much voice, and you've got a humongous Old Testament to see what Jesus thinks about a whole bunch of topics and a whole bunch of things that Paul wrote about under the anointing of the Holy Spirit as to what Jesus thought but that he didn't get time to speak about or that Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, expanded upon. So my first point here is, Jesus would vote biblically. He would not vote for someone who opposes everything that Jesus was part of writing. He's a word made flesh. He wouldn't vote against himself. He wouldn't make war against his own body, meaning the body of Christ. He wouldn't do that. So he's not going to be voting for somebody, let's use this as an example, who supports abortion. Did not Jesus say to allow the little children to come unto me? How can they get to how can how can the little children get to Jesus if they can't even get out of the womb? I think we know how Jesus thinks about abortionists and abortion and the evil because God judged Israel for offering up their own children to the God of Molech. The child sacrifice of which abortion is simply a 20 and 21st century example of. But, and the, and the Hebrews probably never offered up more than 20 or 30,000. We've offered up 62 million. So I think we know how Jesus would vote. He would vote biblically. Now, there's no perfect candidate, but one person would represent biblical values very possibly far more than another. And if those biblical values happen to show up in the Republicans 99.9% of the time, then 99.9% of the time you should be voting Republican. If it vote if it shows up in somebody else, then go ahead and do it. Well, I'm well, I got to hold that off. I got to hold off a point here I want to make. But the fact of the matter is we're supposed to be salt and light. People who KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. President Trump says acts or threats of political violence have no place in the U.S. The president was responding to the suspicious packages targeting Bill and Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, CNN, and others. This egregious conduct is abhorrent to everything we hold dear and sacred. In brief remarks during an event on opioid abuse, the president did not mention any of the intended recipients. Hillary Clinton was in Florida and thanked the Secret Service for intercepting the package before it got to her New York home. Every day we are grateful for their service and commitment and obviously uh, never, never more than today. She calls this a troubling time and says the nation needs to unite. Sagar Magani, Washington. New Jersey's health commissioner says it's unlikely a viral outbreak at a pediatric rehabilitation center that left seven medically fragile people dead will pose a wiser threat. Jersey Health Commissioner Dr. Sharif El-Nahal says they're taking the string of deaths at the Pediatric Nursing Center very seriously. We've had uh, outbreaks of adenovirus and we have hundreds of respiratory outbreaks per year uh, in New Jersey. This one is particularly uh, tragic because the victims are children uh, and, and we've had seven deaths. The health commissioner says that all the infections occurred in the re- facility's respiratory or ventilator unit Some pediatric patients at the rehab center have been there most or all of their lives. 
Police say two people died in a shooting at a Kroger grocery store on the outskirts of Louisville, Kentucky. Jefferson Town Police Chief Sam Rogers confirmed the deaths at the store Wednesday. He said two people were dead, one inside the store and one outside. No further details immediately available. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 608 points. More on these stories at townhall.com. Trade Pros. Ferguson's proud to be a part in what you do. And it's our aim to be the easiest one of your long day on the job. Ferguson.com is designed to help you run your business from the office or from the job site. With 24-7 access to your account, an unmatched online inventory, and tools to manage your own, it's never been easier to do business with us, when and wherever you want. And with our Pro Plus customer loyalty program, earn points for purchasing the products you need and redeem them for merchandise, trips, and more. Get started at Ferguson.com. Pat Boone here again for Relief Factor, the company that's helping thousands of people, just like my wife Shirley and me, deal with all kinds of occasional aches and pains. For years, Shirley struggled with her neck and her shoulder pain kept her from sleeping through the night. A lot of people, just like Shirley, struggle with aches and pains due to aging or exercise. Why don't you order the three-week quick start? It's now only $19.95, and let's see if we can get you out of pain, too. Go to relieffactor.com. There's a warning about Hezbollah. We hear more about this story from the media line's Charles B. Blazier. The head of the United Nations peacekeeping force in southern Lebanon claimed that Beirut is committed to preventing Hezbollah from operating close to the Israeli border. This, a day after the Israel Defense Forces accused Iran's terrorist proxy of operating a fake environmental NGO in order to illegally maintain a presence in the buffer zone between the two countries. Jerusalem is sounding the alarm over the threat Hezbollah poses amid reports the group has acquired GPS components to transform inaccurate projectiles into precision-guided rockets. The growing concern comes on the backdrop of Russia's delivery of the S-300 defense system to the Assad regime in Syria, a move that could limit the Israeli military's ability to prevent the transfer of sophisticated weaponry to Hezbollah. I'm Charles Biblazer, Town Hall News, Jerusalem. News and analysis available at TheMediaLine.org and TownHall.com. I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Hi, I'm Jim Daly, and before we start today's broadcast, I wanted to share a few thoughts about the recent passing of our good friend and colleague, Reverend H.B. London, Jr. H.B., as we affectionately called him, was a gifted leader and pastor who deeply cared for church ministry, and he served as our pastor-to-pastor here at Focus on the Family for 20 years, leading a, a unique outreach where he tirelessly worked to encourage and motivate his fellow clergy members and their families. I had the privilege of interviewing HB a few years ago when he retired from Focus in 2011. And here are a few of his wonderful comments that reflect his servant's heart and a life well-lived for the Lord. It was 1991 when Dr. Dobson invited you to come to Focus on the Family to do what? Well, his thing was that uh, we're having a lot of crisis mail coming from the clergy home, and he looked across the table at me and just said, I wonder if you and I could work together without killing each other because we were cousins and only kids and all that. But, you know, after two or three months of wondering what I was doing here, God gave me a mandate that I was to be a pastor to pastors. We really hadn't heard that term. But then he gave me the mandate that we were to help facilitate spiritual restoration and renewal in the life of clergy families and then come along and help them better manage their finances and their families and all of the things that go along with it. And then everything just broke loose after that. You know, the greatest energy that I receive is going out into a group of pastors or pastor spouses and and helping them laugh a little bit and helping them realize that it's not their church, it's God's church, and it's not their people. They're, these are God's creation, and they're under shepherds, they're overseers, and even though their turf may not be great, they're responsible to that turf and to make it the best they can, to, to bloom where they're planted, make the most of every day, every opportunity, get up with a smile on your face and with a skip in your step and, and make the world a better place. There are two passages of scripture that I've embraced. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him. There is so much wrapped up in those two verses. Mm. <laughs> Surrender and trust and faith and all of that. And Psalm 118, 24, this is the day the Lord hath made. 
You've got to rejoice and be glad in it. And my advice to young and old alike is, if you surrender your life to the Lord, He will guide your path. He'll bring you through. But the other thing is, you've got to get up every day enjoying the opportunity to think that He made this day, He invited you to join Him in this day, and face it with a smile, but have something in mind for that day. Don't waste a day. Well, our good friend and colleague, H.B., uh, passed away peacefully on Tuesday, October 16th, surrounded by his wife, Beverly, of 61 years, also with his sons, Brad and Brian, their wives, and four grandchildren. And uh, obviously, it would be much appreciated if you could pray for the Londons as they grieve uh, the loss of their husband, their father, their grandfather, and recognize that he is in paradise. If you're in a construction zone, you know there may be some nails exposed or some wires that are not put together, and so it allows you to just step